everybody. Welcome to Pretty Scary. Pretty Scary Boo. I am Adam Todd Brown. And I am Carrie Martin. And that makes us your hosts. Carrie, how's it going in Iowa? It is hot as balls. That's actually what the weather people say now on TV. Everyone be careful today. Hot as balls. Hot as balls. Yeah, we were talking before we recorded, but people talk about the winters in the Midwest being awful, but it's the summers that really, really get you. Once it hits this time of year, if I'm in the Midwest, it's usually hotter there than it is where I live. I'm in Los Angeles, but I'm close to the beach. So it's going to be hot today, but it's going to be like 85. It's not going to be 99 like it is where you are. That's insane. As long as you're not inland and you have the stifling heat, there's always a bit of a breeze near the ocean, which is why so many people live there, I've heard. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, But yes, I just got to the point where I work for a winery and any job I've had before has been relatively sedentary. But this one, I'm on my feet running around pouring wine for five days in a row. And I finally got to a point after three months where I felt like, okay, I'm not so tired after every shift and my feet don't look like swollen ham hocks. (laughs) But now the heat adds this other tricky component that I just want to take a nap halfway through my shift. Yeah, it's bad. And it's appropriate that we're talking so much about the climate and geography of Iowa and California to open the pod because our topic today takes place in Texas. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're hitting all corners in that (laughs) two time zones, two, one, two. It's like an L. A little bit. Yeah. Right. It's a Tetris piece. A lazy L. We're carving a Tetris piece through the United States with our talking points today. We are covering another episode of Who Do You Believe? The ABC show, we did a bonus episode with Cindy last week, I did, where we covered, I think, one of the two episodes of this series that are worth covering on the podcast. It's a decent series, but some of the topics aren't really scary. No one dies. If no one dies, I'm out. Yeah, I'm always out. Murder first. This is episode five. There's only the one season. It's called Slayed While Sleeping, available on Hulu. This is a show where two... People tell their version of the same story, and you decide who you believe. I think they do a pretty good job of keeping some ambiguity going as to who actually committed the crime in question on this episode and on the last episode. What did you think? Is this like the show about the person who's a liar that Jeff May was on on Netflix? (laughs) Is this same premise? Yeah, the part where he talks about the grisly murder he may or may not have committed got cut, but yeah. Okay. Jeff May was on a Netflix show. I don't know if the pretty scary audience knows that, but it's a Netflix game show called Bullshit! And yeah, there was a component of lying to that, and there's a component of lying to this. Just unfortunately, no one gets money at the end. Well, not completely Well, actually, true. someone does <laughs> get money at the end. Someone does get so money at the end same show. Just so, yeah. repackaged. Yeah, pretty much. This is season two of Netflix's bullshit. <laughs> Move to ABC for this season. I have seen this story repackaged years and years, or this was repackaged, but I've seen the story on one of my true crime shows years and years ago. This one is good, though, because it's not necessarily like someone's interviewing or trying to sway the narrative. It literally is like they ask just a blank question to both parties 
And then they kind of do a split screen where they show their answers. And it is, okay, I told you also right before we started, this was the only episode of Who Do You Believe that I watched simply because I found both parties so unlikable. Yes. Again, it's an interesting story, and I still don't know what I believe, which I think we'll get into later, but I just kind of wanted it to be over. Like, they just annoyed me so much. Yeah, it isn't so much that, at least in this episode, that there's one side you believe for a while, and then you stop believing them. In this case, both people don't really seem that believable. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if these two conspired to commit this crime. Whoever did this was very smart about it. And neither of these people seem smart. No, that's the thing. Neither of them seem capable of pulling off this crime in a way that they could go on TV and comfortably talk about it. Right. But one of them did. Well, one, one of these people murdered this man or see, had something it, to do with it. And that's what you think. And that's where I was almost like they were so unlikable and highly unbelievable to the point that maybe I started believing them that yeah. really I started weighing the option of could this have just been some random murder like go ahead and tell the story but essentially I was thinking possibly there could be a, an outside party yeah and yeah they do bring that up way at the end they bring up that possibility but what this reminds me of in the way it's presented have you watched the HBO documentary about the girl who basically coaxed her boyfriend into committing suicide by text message. Do you remember yeah. that story? Yeah. Michelle Carter and yes. Conrad Roy. Yeah. The HBO documentary about that is split into two parts. And the first part tells the story from basically his family's perspective. And the second part tells it purely from her perspective. And both cases are really compelling when you hear them separately. And I think that's kind of what they're going for on this show. I think that's kind of like a new thing that they're doing because they also did that with Amber Heard versus Johnny Depp on Discovery Plus. Oh, really? Yeah. And it shows both narratives. That's the thing about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. They could both kind of be right. Right. Exactly. They both kind of could be wrong. And I think it's because Johnny's so beloved. He's just the more likable person. But there's probably truths to what both of them are saying. Yeah. God, Johnny Depp's fine. Like, why is he so beloved? <laughs> I don't I just, know. I guess I've... I don't hold any actor in that kind of regard. I guess I'm more of a music guy but he hasn't really done anything egregious and honestly he's been around forever so i mean i remember being in god probably junior high watching edward scissorhands i remember him from 21 jump street yeah 21 jump street with richard grigo still but, a very underrated actor but i'm not he's not by any means a hill i'm gonna die on on the internet i mean <laughs> absolutely not i think also i know <laughs> this is gonna be highly debatable because of the topic, but I also wish Amber Heard hadn't taken herself so seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> In the trial, I think a lot of people, and I think when they were recreating it, like on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, Johnny Depp is just kind of like snickering throughout the trial, you know, like, oh, it may get pint. Yes, I had a large glass of wine. And, you know, <laughs> even his lawyers were kind of like being very tongue in cheek with different things. And I think that helped. <laughs> make him believable that he treated it as a joke i don't know let's get to the premise of this we should talk about this show this episode covers the murder of john garner and the 
trial of his wife, Sandra Garner. And you're right. I have also seen this on a true crime episode before, but I didn't remember much about it. These two met while they were working at a trucking company. She was 12 years older than him. So uh, creepy, lady. Come on. She had two kids when they met. One of those kids, Wesley Miller, is the other half of this episode. He's her son, John Garner's stepson. And it seems from all accounts like Wesley Miller and John Garner got along fine, right? I mean, there's not like a ton of background. But yeah, it seems like everyone liked John. And I think that's why also I questioned either of their motives. Right. I'm assuming... I mean, unless the way this episode is edited, they just left out key details, which certainly happens on true crime shows. But with what these two end up claiming about each other, if there was some animosity between Wesley and John, you would think she would have brought it up because that would just kind of bolster her case that she didn't do this. So yeah. It also seems a little weird, too, because they start off where they're talking about, you know, how they were raised. And Wesley seems to have fond memories of how his mother was a single mother and worked all the time so that she could provide for him and his sister. So it just seems so interesting, even what their motives are. And so fervently just destroying their entire relationship and pinning this solely on each other. Yeah. It's a fascinating episode because, I mean, someone's lying. Mm -hmm. Someone in this episode is just the best liar and a murderer. Or, I don't know, maybe the fact that I can't tell which one of them did this, maybe it speaks to them both doing it. Because here's the thing. I have great instincts. And if my instincts aren't guiding me in a clear direction. Carrie, I'm sorry. They both did it. I think by how much they hate each other, I think that would have came out unless it was a self-preservation. Yeah. And they're just like, we're going to blame each other until the day we die. But it was both of us, which honestly, I guess I could see that too. Yeah. The only thing is, if it was that, why would you agree to a TV show about it? Because like, like eventually you've just gotten away with it. Like, shut up. But again, neither of them are like the smartest. Yeah. Or are they? Right. Or are they? And for a while, by the way, I actually thought the son was the liar because his eyes are so shifty. And then he actually spoke about how he's got some sort of disease. Well, where they move around a lot. He said he has really bad astigmatism, but so do Mm -hmm. I. Like, I'm damn near legally blind without glasses or contacts and i don't think my eyes jump around like that i sure as shit hope not because if so no one has ever believed a single thing i've ever said in my life oh no there's like a whole thing on discord where we talk about it adam shifty eyes oh yeah 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 yeah. why set up the separate adam shifty eyes discord (laughs) just for that it was really flooding the main discord probably the timeline in this episode is kind of confusing because it says they get married in 1999, right? Mm-hmm. And then it says she's diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. She does the noble thing and offers to kill herself. That seems rash. I mean, have you had MS before? You know, I haven't. So I guess right. I guess you're right. It's the thing people are going to react to in different ways. He declines mm-hmm. and Instead, they move. What's interesting is the timeline here. 
1999, and then they say she gets diagnosed with MS. And then next thing you know, it's 2016, and the family's moving. Like, when did the MS diagnosis happen? Was that shortly before this? Because if so, her offering to kill herself could speak to motive a little bit because one of the first things Wesley ends up questioning is if this was supposed to be a murder-suicide and she just chickened out. Well, didn't John Garner also say, like, no, I don't want you to die. When you die, I'll kill myself because he apparently loved her so much? Yes, And they don't really make it clear when that all happened. Was that right after they got married and then they just forgot about that time when they both talked about maybe ending their lives? Murder-suicide. And then this happens all these years later? Or did she get diagnosed? And I know this is a thing we could dig into more and probably figure out. but It's more fun speculating. Yeah, and well, not just that, but this episode is based on this episode of television, and they Mm -hmm. don't tell us, so I'm kind of guessing. I think if the diagnosis and the murder happen in closer proximity, that would speak more to maybe that diagnosis playing into this a little bit. It still doesn't 100% when they're trying to blame the other person. It's still not really... Because I just kept asking, like, what was the motive? And even if her motive was life insurance, I guess I wouldn't understand because it, from all accounts, and even Wesley says she never wanted for anything after she married him. Yeah. So why would you need him dead if he's still giving you everything that you want and he's treating you like a queen? Yeah. And he's the one who also says that about John, that he treated her especially well, which, yeah, that kind of blows up his argument that she would do this for the money because that really is the most confusing part about this is the motive and even when she was trying to blame him and said well they got into a fight because he had just discovered that he wasn't on the well and by the way i always think that's a weird thing like (laughs) did they find it like how did it come up did wesley ask you know do most people have their wills like laying around on the fridge next to artwork or something yeah that comes up at one point that she heard Wesley and John arguing about Wesley being in John's will. And he doesn't really deny it. He says, well, I saw the will and I'm not in it, which implies that they did talk about it. And like, why? Right. Unless he was like at the will reading later. But yeah, that's a weird thing. If I was John Garner, who again is 12 years younger than Mm -hmm. his wife, so it seems like he's not much older than Wesley. I'd be like, why are you asking me that? You planning to murder me? <laughs> but also she says that John agreed to put him in the will. And Wesley says and, he wasn't in the will. But she's saying that was his motive, was that Wesley believed a few weeks later that he was in the will. So he killed John for the money because essentially he was a loser who never had a job for more than a year and often borrowed money. A mother's glowing review of her son. Yeah. And that it kind of would speak to motive, but also I don't get why that would be the angle as opposed to, are you in your mother's will? What are you going to get from her when she dies? Probably nothing. So like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who did this. It's obvious who benefited from it. She's the one who benefits in the end. But yeah, the will conversation threw me for a loop because that's the thing. None of these allegations that they make against each other 
they don't super duper deny him. We should talk about the shooting, the, okay. the night that it happened, because there is one detail that I find borderline insane. Wesley says he and John went bowling that night and that John said that he and Sandra had been arguing because she wanted to move back to Paris, Texas, and he wanted to stay in Maypearl, Texas, as if there's a fucking difference, I'm sure. But he said they were arguing about that, which seems like a pretty minor, I mean, it's not a minor dispute, but it doesn't seem like murder your spouse kind of dispute. But John goes home and Sandra's version of events from there is that he comes home, they have dinner, they go to sleep. While they're sleeping, a man- Actually, she says, we had Tex-Mex for our anniversary. We make love, obviously. Yes. And then we go to sleep. Obviously. Obviously, we boned. (laughs) And then they go to sleep and someone bursts in the room while they're sleeping. And this guy- shoots John. Before that happens, John kicks her off the bed to protect her. John gets shot. And then the guy comes over and points a gun at Sandra and says, don't look at me. And he explains to her that he killed John because John fired him from a job or something like that. And that what he came here to do is done. And that he's not going to kill her. And he leaves. Well, he took a bunch of money, too. He's like, how much money do you have in the safe? Oh, and right. It was 15, 20 something thousand dollars. And he took that and left. 18,000. Yeah. He told but, her that he knew they had money in a safe and to give it to him, which, God, that sounds like something. That's a motive. That sounds like something a wife who was involved in her husband's murder. Like, that sounds like what her story would be, kind of. Because I mean, if gonna... I were to kill my spouse, I actually think that's a relatively believable motive. It is, except for the part where, like, that's movie shit. The part where he stands over her and says, well, here's why I carried out this evil plot. And I'm so noble. Like, he just shot her husband. He might as well shoot her. Like, the only real plausible explanation for why you wouldn't shoot her is either the wife is involved or that's her son who just shot her husband, and he doesn't want to put a bullet in his mom. Either way, it doesn't help us at all in figuring out who did this. But yeah, I don't know. It's a weird story. I think that's the part I remember hearing on a true crime episode, too, is why would he not kill her? It doesn't make any sense unless you're just... Unless you're just there for the money. But again, why would he take the time... I guess, to explain to her why he's leaving her alive if that's what he's choosing to do. And why give all those details about yourself? Like, oh, I'm someone who was fired from a job recently. Then you're just begging to have this crime pinned on you at some point. That sounds like maybe they were trying to frame someone who had just been fired from his company or something. Yeah. And they even said at the very beginning, John fires people, you know, as a manager or four person does, you know, from time to time. So he's not the most popular person at the office, but that those two got along and then. Right. They got married. So she calls the police. She says it takes them 20 minutes to arrive, which is kind of an important detail when we get to 
what Wesley thinks happened. Paramedics were not able to save him. She's taken to the police station, and John's cousin Jessica and brother Chris go to Wesley's house to tell him that John is dead. Wesley is summoned to the police station and immediately implicates his mom when they question him, based solely on the fact that John said they were arguing about moving back to Paris, Texas that night when they were bowling. That seems like quite a leap. He broke out the jump to conclusions, Matt, for that one. I agree. And there's another part where he's like, you know, she's a monster. And it's like, right. But (laughs) there were no other indications that she was a horrible mother or that this was her third husband, that she had killed anyone else. Right. This was her third husband, but they've been married since 1999. This crime, I think, happened in 2017 or 18 or something like that. Like, it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. So it seems like things were pretty happy up to that point or happy enough that they made it that long. That's a long time. Right. So it makes you think if he's deflecting that he's involved. Right. I don't know why. I just I found her more believable than him, although I would say her story was more outlandish. I just disliked him so much. Well, the part of his story that I find unbelievable or the part of his theory that seems insane to me is the gun. Mm -hmm. There's a moment when after this all happens, the police have walked around and looked at everything. And now they're doing like follow up deeper investigation. And at one point, they catalog all the guns that John had in the house. And John is a responsible gun owner. He wrote down all of the serial numbers of all the guns. And the one gun that's missing is a 38 that belonged to Sandra. And Wesley's argument is, well, if you were coming to the house to rob it and you were planning to kill John, you would bring your own gun. You wouldn't hope there was a gun in the house. But also, if you knew there was money in the house, you probably knew there were guns in the house. Right. But I don't think the average employee would have known that about their boss. Yes. But Sandra's argument is, well, I kept a gun in my nightstand. And obviously what happened is someone who had access to the house took the gun from the nightstand previously. And then came back and committed this murder, which sounds like a stretch, but they bring up something else later, which is the iPad Google search. So a couple of things. If you're nervous enough to keep a gun in the house, you have dogs apparently that don't bark right. when strangers enter and you sleep with your back door unlocked. Yeah, that's strange. Right. One of the two were saying like, oh, the back door, they leave unlocked. And it's kind of like, okay, if you're worried enough to keep a gun in your nightstand, you know, and possibly have dogs for protection or whatnot, you would lock all your doors. So that's why they're trying to say there was no evidence of a break in. They must have come in through that door, whoever that mystery murderer was. Right. And I mean, maybe that's why you leave your back door unlocked. For murder. Maybe it's like a Ouroboros thing. Like you keep the back door unlocked because you have the guns, which you have because you keep the door unlocked. Right. So you keep the door unlocked because you have the guns, which you have because (laughs) you keep the door unlocked. And then you got these fucking dogs that either will go nuts if someone walks in the house or never bark. And see, that's the thing. Maybe it's Dr. Fauci's house. That's. (laughs) And they used to bark. He barked them, right? (laughs) Yes. That's the other thing. It could be both. It could be that these dogs do bark when they see a stranger, but that they didn't see a stranger 
this time when the person came in to kill John because it wasn't a stranger. It was Wesley. Because Wesley's the one who swears the dogs never bark. And maybe that's just No, he him. said they do. Sandra said that the dogs don't bark. Oh, okay. She also said she couldn't cry because she has MS. Yeah, that was a citation needed moment there. I didn't know you can't cry. Because, yeah, he's... I didn't know either. He's got the gall to be like, well, she didn't seem like she was crying enough for me. And it's like, have you looked in a mirror and seen your eyes when you talk? You don't... <laughs> Shifty. Yeah, you don't get to convict people based on <clears throat> the way they look when they're talking to you, bub. Sorry. Also, where they found the gun and how that all came about was very odd. Yeah, that's the part that I really don't buy about Wesley's theory. He says that what he thinks happened is Sandra shot John and then went through the gun in a lake behind their house. But the thing is, getting to that lake and back, he says, would have taken about 45 minutes. And he claims the police told him that the body was kind of cold when they showed up, which would imply that maybe she waited to call the police. So what he says is she ran and threw this gun in the lake, which would take 45 minutes round trip, and then came back and called the police, which, okay, that I guess is perfectly believable. But then a few days later, they interview him and he says, well, I know she has a gun and she keeps it in a glove box under the front seat of her car. And they go and search the car. And sure enough, there's the gun still wet and wrapped in paper towels. Right. And they show the gun on the episode and it's got rust all over it, which makes you think it would be there for more than a couple of days. Right. Yeah. And so his theory is and he says this, that she threw the gun in the lake and then for some reason got nervous and then went out and got the gun from the lake and put it in her car. And she very rightfully points out, I have MS. How am I going to get to the bottom of a lake to get this gun back? And she says that's when she started thinking, oh, well, he planted this gun in my car. Which, that is a really weird version of events. That she chucks the gun in the lake and then gets nervous about it. So goes and gets it and brings it closer to right. where all the cops are. Right. Because if they see the gun in her car, which they're already looking at everything else, unless her theory is like, oh, they've already checked everything. So they're not going to check again. But if they see it, they're going to obviously ask, okay, is this your gun? And we're going to check it for ballistics to see if it's the murder weapon. I would have left it in the lake. Yeah. Like there's no reason for her to have gone and got this gun and put it back in her car. And I'm even more suspicious of Wesley when he says, how can I plan a gun that's already yours? And it's like, she just explained how you could plan a gun that's already hers. You could show up a few weeks earlier, take it, commit this murder, and then put it in her car and say, yeah, she keeps it under the front seat of her car. Because she says she used to keep it under the front seat of her car and didn't when she moved to Maypearl, she started keeping it in a nightstand. He also said that when he told her that the police wanted to inspect her car, that she got really upset. And he was like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe you're getting so upset. And then she was like, I was upset, but not that upset. I just was thinking that they've already checked everything. Like, what more do they need to check? Which I actually believe that because I think I'd be like, okay, if I really didn't kill him, I'm grieving. You already checked everything. Why do you need to check the car? Like, I probably would have been annoyed, too. Yeah, with it happening a few days later, I'd probably be 
bothered too. And I think it does seem kind of suspicious. I actually buy her story mm-hmm. that Wesley did this. Well, she goes, I went to go get my keys where they usually are. And they were like by his jacket or underneath his jacket by where he was standing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they found it and it was wet, inexplicably rusty and like wrapped up in a like a paper towel or something. Yeah. It seems like maybe he did this and then thought throwing that gun in the lake was going to be enough. But that as the investigation was unfolding, he realized, well, they're going to pin this on me. And so now I need to frame mom. Like they both act so shocked that the other one would do this, which it is shocking. Whoever actually did this is a cold-blooded criminal because there's not just the murder for money aspect. There's also the pinning it on literally your closest relative. Well, he had a bullet hole in his right temple. So maybe he killed himself and he's like, I'm tired of dealing with these two losers. (laughs) It could have been. Could have been. (laughs) I've had enough. And so, yeah, this is the point where she says she starts suspecting that he's trying to frame her. And that's when she says she remembers, well, the intruder was kind of his size, but he was wearing a mask and they had similar voice, I guess. You'd still know your son's voice. Yeah. I mean, unless he was like, hey, ma, I mean, so- I mean, lady, <laughs> I know your husband from work. Where's he dad? I mean, me. John, I mean, my ex-boss's money. And he's not my real dad. I mean, he fired me from a job. Could have been that. <laughs> so Mickey Mouse was a murderer. <laughs> I like it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I don't like the way he keeps smiling when he denies everything. Like, The eyes are one thing, but he smiles whenever he's denying like the most egregious things. And it's like, stop smiling. This isn't funny. No one's saying anything that outlandish. You seem very suspect. Quit acting like this is a joke, Wes. The most believable aspect of this is that he was sitting at home watching Netflix for hours because he has no friends. I think that speaks to, I don't know. There's something happening in this dude's head, but the confidence that he has when he delivers that flimsy ass alibi, he's like, yeah, I was watching TV. There's no way I could have done this. I was home watching TV. It's like, well, he said something about like his car hadn't moved all night. And it's like, according to who? Yeah. Is that a thing you could track? I just happened to take a picture of my odometer, man. No reason. (laughs) No reason. Look, took another one in the morning. My car had moved. No reason. That's what I do. It's just, I just, just part of my morning routine. Just a project. Picture my odometer every morning, man. Past 40 years. Go make one of them flippy book things. Put it on the internet. It's not what this guy sounds like when he talks, but <laughs> still. Anyway, yeah, he's like, I was at home watching TV. Deal with that, cops. That's, I would think, the hardest alibi to prove. And I do. I love a good binge. And I actually shouldn't talk shit because I binge TV shows all the time, especially if it's a really good series like Bullshit starring Jeff May. (laughs) But and they even said they're like, okay, we can see that he was watching Netflix. But really, what does that prove? You know, you could leave the TV on. Yeah. So Sandra's eventually arrested after the ballistics tests are run and the bullets that killed John are a match to the gun that was found in her car, soaking wet and wrapped in paper towels. And so her trial starts and right away, Sandra's lawyers take on Wesley's ironclad alibi that he was home watching Netflix. And one, they're like, well, 
the timestamps don't match. Like the time you say and the time that these shows you say you were watching were playing aren't the same. And Wesley's like, yeah, their servers are in another time zone or something. But then they show the list of the Netflix, like whatever season one, whatever season two. And it shows the timestamps that say PST for Pacific Standard Time. So like they're going to figure out the time zones. Yeah. It's not that elusive. Yeah, I think they could do that math. And also, I don't know how long it takes to trigger that are you still watching thing. But like you said, it's Netflix. You could just start yeah. it and leave. And he's like, boom, my car didn't move. It's like, all right, you walked. Well, then he also kind of throws, I feel like out of nowhere, this weird Hail Mary pass where he was like, well, I think she was having an affair. She's had three. And I think she wanted to be with this new guy and start a life together. And it's like, one, why wouldn't she just divorce him if that were the case and again if he was such a great guy to her why would he do that but how do you know so much about who your mom's banging yeah that would be my question like why would you want to know that much and he seems like he's the only one who made that allegation it doesn't seem like the prosecution made that allegation that's just wesley saying that which that is such a classic motive. Like if that was true, that would have come up. It's in interesting trial. too, because this show literally is just a, he said, she said, it's all hearsay because, you know, there's never somebody who comes in with a narrative that shows any proof right? or, you know, excerpts from the trial or, you know, cause she was like, no, I never had one. So again, you just have to listen to these two people argue and blame each other, but none of the proof or evidence is ever presented. I think the one detail that swayed me the most toward thinking Wesley did this Again. is the iPad search. Okay. He brings it up for one thing. He says on the iPad that stays in the restroom, someone Googled how to kill someone and get away with it. Which, my by the way, gross. Yeah. So it's my... just in there for whoever's taking a big poop. Yeah. That's my first thought. You keep an iPad in the bathroom, you nasty monsters. Like yeah, which you, one of you guys is yeah. backed up. Yeah, either one of you, whoever did this, the other one needs to go to prison for keeping an iPad <laughs> in the restroom. And right away, I was like, okay, well, that means it's accessible to lots of people and there's probably no passcode on it, right? And sure enough, yeah, it's accessible to anyone who's in their bathroom. That's why it's in the bathroom. And it has no passcode on it. And her lawyers are able to prove he was there the night this Google search happened on the iPad. Well, he said from his point that that search was done like a week or two prior. He's saying there was a different timeline for when that was searched. Well, yeah, but I think his defense actually speaks to what Sandra said she thinks happened, which is that someone took the gun prior to when this murder happened. It stands to reason that would have probably been the night he took the gun too. Because if you're Googling that on her iPad thinking, all right, I'm going to fucking murder John and frame my mom. I know she's got that gun in the nightstand. I know she used to keep it under the front seat of her car. That seems pretty damning to me. The other thing that I thought was weird was the producer asked him, is there a passcode on the iPad? And he goes, there might be, I don't know. But you know that the iPad is always in the bathroom and easily accessible. I you know so many details about the iPad, except if it has a passcode. If I recall, I thought he said there's no passcode on it. He said he wasn't sure. Oh, okay. He goes, I'm not sure. There might be. I don't know. It must have been her that said yeah. there wasn't. She and said it, there wasn't. 
if you're keeping it in the bathroom, that really does imply that it's there for people to browse the internet while they're shitting. Ugh. And either way, if you're keeping an iPad in your bathroom, that speaks to you probably not practicing great internet security. So I doubt there was a passcode on this thing. And you know that it's like right underneath her Yankee candle on top of the toilet. Oh, yeah. Probably next to the litter box. Yeah. <laughs> next to the litter box. And it's a Yankee candle that's like pina colada scented. Right. Yeah. It was at that point that I kind of got the feeling that Wesley has just watched a lot of true crime shows mm-hmm. and felt like this was a murder he could commit. And it seems like he did. Like if the show is asking who I believe, I believe Sandra in this case. You know, I wasn't sure, and I actually entertained the idea of an intruder and possibly a disgruntled employee, but I feel like you have presented the facts well, Adam, and we have solved this case, and it is Wesley, court adjourned. But, and that's how the verdict came down, too. She was found not guilty. And quickly, too. And I think with this son of hers around, you can't (laughs) convict her. Like he is the walking definition of reasonable doubt. Like he's shade tree son. Yeah. That's how I said it in the notes. (laughs) I think that's appropriate. And so she's found not guilty. And I agree that that's how the justice system should operate. This guy is just all sorts of reasonable doubt. But then right at the end, they ask about the money and she's like, well, yeah, I got $300,000, but here's what you have to understand I used it to pay my lawyer. And then she pauses and is like, well, a hundred thousand of it I used to pay my lawyer. Mm -hmm. And then the person interviewing her goes, well, what'd you do with the rest? And she goes, oh, I bought a house. So I don't have a house payment now. I moved back to Paris, Texas and But I would also think that's not a huge motive, you know, wanting to buy a a house with cash, you know, so you don't have a house payment. I still don't think that's a strong motive. The one thing she didn't bring up that her son brought up, which is prominently displayed as she walks around at the end, is... She got breast implants. She got new titties. Yeah. that, And she also got remarried. Well, that's how she was able to get that big winner, Manny. Exactly. With them big old mammies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mammary. Mammary clans. Yeah. Yeah. Which also is a point of contention because her son says, well, she got married right away. Weeks later, and she was like, no, I didn't know him for years after. Yeah. And then I met him, and now we're married, which I don't know that that makes sense either, because, again, the murder was, what, five years ago? Yeah, for one thing, it hasn't been years, like yeah. maybe a couple of years. But and but yeah, you see, Manny, you're not murdering anyone for Manny. I'll just say that. I don't know. He looked like a perfectly normal guy. Yeah. Looked like a hard worker. Yeah. Hard working Manny. Yeah. Wesley thinks Manny helped. He thinks that's why why he's so comfortable marrying Sandra. And I don't know, maybe he's comfortable marrying Sandra because he thinks her son did it. Like, that's what would stop me from marrying this woman. It's like, your son's going to murder me, man. Get away with it. I mean. Well, that and I'm also married. and make the woman but i would say that you know for her age i would say she's a dime piece yeah i'm not gonna say i didn't suspect the breast implants before they even said it like there was a point during the interviews i was like oh look at that and when they said she spent some of the money on breast implants i was like yep that tracks see i felt like after that it was a lot more profile shots and i was like oh now i see yeah but they were teasing it in the episode it's like that scene in a beautiful mind where his daughter runs through the flock of birds and they don't move. And like when you rewatch it, you're like, oh, because she's not real. 
spoiler to anyone who's never watched A Beautiful Mind. But yeah. the first time through, you don't even notice that. And now you rewatch this, you're going to be like, there they are. <laughs> About 15 they minutes are in. right there on that tiny frame. Boom. Got them. See them right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a confusing episode. I'm still leaning toward Wesley being the one who's lying. He's just got lying murderer energy, you know? And I think he might be dumb enough to think that he was in the will and he was going to get some money with this if he was as poor as his mother claimed that he was. And she even said, like, we had helped him in the past. You know, we would continue to help him. If, you know, I got the money, I would have given it to him. But since he tried to convict me of murder, uh, he's not getting anything. And those are going to my titties. Yeah, that's the only real motive he could have had. It couldn't be that he thought by killing John alone, he was going to get money out of that. I mean, it does seem like they argued about the will at some point. So at that point, his only course of action is kill John so his money goes to mom and then frame mom for that murder so her money goes to the kids. Only thing I would not understand is how would she not recognize his voice after 30 odd years, even if you're throwing your voice. Yeah, that would be risky on his part Mm -hmm. to be the one who actually went in and did the shooting. He could have paid someone to do it, too, but it doesn't seem like he had pay someone to do it money at the time. Right. But a lot of people will do it on the promise of I'm going to get all this money. So yeah. I'll pay you a percentage once I get it. Or you do it for the exposure. I always tell people, don't <laughs> commit a murder for the exposure. Don't let your talent go unrewarded like that. I think it's interesting when he had a sob story about waiting in the hall before court and his family members were mad at him and not acknowledging him <laughs> and he couldn't figure out why. <laughs> it's like you're, uh, you're accusing your mom of murder, bud. Yeah. And on really not strong grounds at all, because if people flash back and recall, his whole motive for thinking she committed this murder was that John told him that they were arguing about moving to Paris, Texas. Right. Seems like there's some extra escalation that needs to happen before that kind of dispute turns into murder. So with double jeopardy, she can't be tried for this again. She actually could have come clean if she wanted to. Right. But Wesley needs to be worried. Yeah, Wesley could still be charged for this. Yeah, it's an unsolved murder. Yeah, I wonder if they're that interested in pursuing it. Here's why they won't pursue it, because it would make the police look stupid. Because Mm -hmm. the whole time, the guy who did it was sort of guiding their investigation. Because a lot of the suspicion that's cast on Sandra happens because of him talking to the police. Right. He's the one who says that there was the conversation at the bowling alley about them arguing. He's the one that says, oh, the gun is probably under the front seat of her car. Like, that's why the police won't pursue this, because they'll have to admit they fucked up. And cops don't do that. They sure don't, Adam. Damn it. Admit you were wrong, police. All of you for everything. I just don't know if I can sleep well at night and I might only lose one night of sleep over it. But the fact that Wesley, if he did commit murder, got away with it, like he doesn't deserve that. Yeah, at least he almost... You know he thinks he's smarter than everybody else, and that's what infuriates me. Yeah, that's I hate what, a nerd with an ego. That's what bothers me about the way he smiles when he denies stuff. Mm-hmm. He's too confident. I don't like it. I don't like, I don't it. like it either. Seems like he's putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Come clean, Wesley. Let's solve this. 
let's become that kind mm-hmm. of true crime podcast where yeah. we just solve crimes. But let's do it. Should by... I go undercover and date or marry Wesley? I think so. Wrong and... answer. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. The answer is no. Still... Oh, damn. <laughs> we could just get him in a room and like good cop, bad cop him and elicit a false confession out of him. If he doesn't want to give us a real one. Okay. Who's going to be our strong arm? Jeff. Probably Jeff. Yep, That's exactly who I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. We'll both be good cop. Jeff will be bad cop. Yep. He gets off on that. Yep. 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 I want them to get in a Twitter war. Oh, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) I'll try and arrange that. That's how we crack this case wide open. Mm -hmm. We get to Wesley's narcissism. We we hit him where it hurts. His pride. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be like, I did murder. I'll show you. Mm -hmm. Oh, damn it. Oh, I did commit this murder. I mean, <laughs> talk to us in your Mickey Mouse voice, sir. So I think that's our episode. We don't have any final thoughts on this, do we? Do we have any final thoughts? No, I feel like we covered them. I think we got it. I think we did it. Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? I'm on social media, Carrie Martin 22, Carrie Martin 722. I post sometimes. I'm also on social media at Adam Todd Brown on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at Pretty Scary Boo. I'm gonna mm-hmm. gonna send Carrie those deets. Yeah. You know. No, don't. I'm not holding my breath. I'll get to it. <laughs> and yeah, bonus episodes on Patreon, patreon.com slash unpops, unpopsnetwork.supercast.tick, or right in your Spotify app. You can get bonusodes. Bone con. Bonus Bonusodes. Yeah, oh, I like that. All right. I like the sound of that. So go do that. And I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Carrie, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs>